You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. Join us Sundays at 10 a.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Or learn more about us online at theriverdurant.com. Well, thank you guys. Um, Thanks for being here. We drove in and it was getting a little colder and a little wetter. We were starting to wonder if we might be the only ones here, but uh, this is a good, good Wednesday night crowd. Well, I've got a, I've got a, I've got a great word for you guys tonight. I, I, I want to talk to you about receiving. If you've got a Bible, we're going to start in Romans five, in verse seventeen. And if you're taking notes, you can title this message: "The way to reign is to receive." The way to reign is to receive. So, a little boy came up to his dad and he said, "Dad, where do people come from?" His dad said, well, son, a long time ago, God made two people, Adam and Eve, and they had babies, and those babies grew up, and and then uh, they had babies, and so on and so forth, and and, until now we've got all the people. So he he runs in the other room, and and he finds his mom. He says, Mom, where do people come from? His mom looks at him and says, well, years and years ago, The earth was full of lower life forms, and these lower life forms evolved over time, and after many years, they became people like us. The little boy runs back into his daddy and says, Daddy, you were wrong. Mom told us that that we came from lower life forms. He said, No, 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 son. Your mom's talking about her side of the family. (laughs) That has nothing to do with the message, but it made me chuckle. The way to reign is to receive. Romans 5.17 says, For if by the trespass of the one man, that one man being Adam, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive, somebody say receive, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign? Somebody say reign. Reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Now, I could spend all night just talking about what it means to reign in life, but, I, but I'm not going to. <laughs> but I want you to understand what it means to reign. The one who reigns is a king, right? A king reigns. Once you're a king, there's no promotion over that. We're talking about living at the ultimate pinnacle of life that we can achieve. The way to reign is to receive. Now, when I was in the sixth grade, my school got a computer room. We got, I think we had eight brand new shiny Texas Instrument TRS-80s. <laughs> but they were at the high school. And so they grabbed, I think there were six or seven of us uh, sixth graders, and they would bus us over once a week to the high school, and, and we would learn how to program. That was the goal, to teach us how to program. And I remember the first thing they taught us when they started teaching us how to program that computer was the phrase, garbage in, garbage out. Anybody ever heard of that? They said, listen, you're going to put these lines of code into this computer. And, and we saved them on a little handheld uh, cassette player. I don't, um, come a long way, maybe. Um, they said, you know, you put these lines of code in, and then the program is, is going to come out and it's going to do what it's supposed to do. He said, if the program doesn't do what it's supposed to do, 
you go back and you find out what you put into it, right? I mean, you got inputs, you got outputs. If you don't like the output, you don't focus on the output. You go back and you fix the input. You with me? Medical, medical establishment for years has, has said it like this. They say, you are what you eat from your head to your feet. If you don't like what your body is becoming, change what's going into it. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For it is by grace that you are saved. You know, when I grew up, I grew up in church, and, and I, I was convinced that any time the Bible was talking about being saved, it was talking about an, a, a final destination. Because that's just, that's just what I saw. That's what I understood. And I think for, so often that's what we as Christians, we, it's easy to fall into that. You know, when we're talking about we're saved, we're talking about the sweet by and by. Let me tell you something. That word in the, in the, and, and one, one thing you're going to find out about me is I, I like to get into the Greek. I, I like to understand what words mean. And, and I'm not going to get into it too heavy for me, but for you guys, you might think I do. That word salvation in the Greek is the word sozo, and it is so full and it is so rich and it's so much more than a final destination. That word salvation in the Greek is talking about walking in the fullness of life. It's talking about walking in fullness of life right now, not when we get to heaven. I mean, obviously, we're going to be in the fullness of life when we get to heaven. It's talking about walking in power right now. For by grace, you are saved. It is by grace that we walk in the fullness of the miraculous, of the supernatural right now. It is by grace because we have a direct connection to the, to the living God. We have a direct connection to God. So we walk by grace through faith today. It is by grace you are saved. Through faith, that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I want you to know God's intent is that we walk in that kind of salvation every day. We walk in a fullness of life. Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. And, and what that means is they might have life on top of life, on top of life, on top of life. We never run out of life. More life and more life and more life because we're walking in that grace. All the goodness of God is just raining down on us and raining down on us as we receive it. Remember, the way to reign is to receive. But that grace is a gift. It's the gift of God. What do you do with a gift? Do you produce a gift? Do you make a gift? Our response to a gift is just receive it. We receive it. You know, there's a lot of confusion in the church as a whole because we, we can't seem to accept this idea of grace as being enough. And so we start to slide back into a little bit of law. You know, we're, 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 we like this grace thing, but... You know, that, that seems too easy, so let's, let's grab onto a little bit of law, and pretty soon we've got, we've got kind of a mixture of covenants. And the covenants don't mix. They don't mix. You see, the old covenant was, was about commandments to be obeyed. You know, we talked about that computer, inputs and outputs. We, we, we control the inputs. The outputs are what they are, right? The old, old covenant was about commands to be obeyed, What's obedience? Is that an input word or an output word? 
That's an output word. When I told my kids when they were little, I said, do what I say. I'm talking about the output. But you see, the new covenant is it's not about output. The, the new covenant is about promises to be believed, to be received. Under the new covenant, we receive. It's not do what I say under the new covenant. It's about believe what I say, receive what I say. And one of the things I, when, when I, Pastor John and I connected several years ago and started talking about some recent revelation, and, and I'd never heard anybody else preach this, but, but I love that he has this, this same revelation. He, he gets into the Greek sometimes too. I like that. One thing I realized several years ago was, was that the, the most prominent word translated obedience in the New Covenant is, we said obedience is an output word. One of the most common translated words that are translated obedience in the New Covenant is the word hupakuo, which you know, which means to listen. It literally means to listen. And so here's the problem. Is listen an output word or an input word? It's an input word. And you can never take an output word and an input word and make them equal. They can never be equal because there's something in between called a process. And if you try to take an input word and replace it with an output word, you've circumvented the process. And so the, the, the translators, they did the best they could. I understand it. They were trying to capture the overall message. But what they did in, in the process was they circumvented the process. The way to reign is to receive. Mm. And the heart of God has never been about man's output. It's never been about man's output. God's heart has never been about man's output. That was true with Adam. God was not concerned about the output. He wanted Adam to receive. That was true under the old covenant, and it's true now. You say, wait, wait, wait. You said the old covenant was about obedience. The old covenant was about output. Yes, it was, but God's heart never was. God's heart was never about output. Now, let me give you an example. There was a man named Samuel, prophet of God. He dealt with a king named Saul, hard-headed dude. He came to Saul. He said, Saul, God says you need to go into, that, into those Amalekites and you need to wipe them out. Every man, woman, child, every animal, everything good, everything, just wipe the whole thing out, Saul. So Saul left. And he, uh, he went and he defeated the Amalekites. But instead of doing what God had asked him to do, he came back with the best of everything. He came back with a king. He came back with the best of the animals, the best of what they had. And Samuel goes out to meet him. And he says, Saul, what's that sound? What's the, what is the sound of sheep I hear? Saul says, um, well, we kind of had a better idea. We, we decided that we'd bring the good stuff back and that we would sacrifice it to God. We would make a sacrifice. And in 1 Samuel 15, 22, you guys all know this verse. Samuel tells him, to blank is better than sacrifice. What does your Bible say? To, to, to obey is better than sacrifice. I think every translation says to obey is better than sacrifice. But will you believe if I tell you that that word in the Hebrew is the word shema? And Shema in the Hebrew literally means, can you guess what it literally means? To hear. What Samuel told Saul was, to hear is better than sacrifice. And a lot of theologians will tell you, well, 
Shema sometimes means to obey, sometimes it means to hear. I say never, because one of those is an input word, the other is an output word, and they can never, ever, ever be used synonymously. God's heart has always been that his people would receive from him. God is a giver, and he knows what's going to change us is not what we can produce, but it's how much of him we can receive. To hear is better than sacrifice. In Mark 4, verse 3, Jesus is talking to the people, and and he's he's telling a parable. And some of you, most Bibles will call this the parable of the sower. It's really not much about the sower. It's really about, I used to preach this message, and, and my message was titled, What Kind of Dirt Are You? I'm from Texas, I'm sorry. What kind of dirt? It's about the soil. So so Jesus is talking and he says, you know, a man, a sower went out to sow and as he sowed, some of that seed fell by the wayside and the birds of the air came and they ate it. Some fell on stony ground. It sprang up quickly, but it had no depth and when the sun came out, it died. Some seed fell among thorns and when the thorns grew up and choked it, it, it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up and it increased and produced 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. Let me ask you, what's the input in this parable? What's going in? The seed. The very next statement that Jesus makes is profound. And for years, as I read through the Bible, I, I would read through the Gospels and I overlooked this statement that Jesus made. But I'm telling you, it's profound. Jesus never wasted words. He never said something accidentally. He tells this parable, and his very next statement is this. He who has ears, let him hear. Powerful. That's how he closed out the parable. The disciples came to him later. They said, Jesus, we don't quite get it. And I can imagine Jesus scratching his head. Did you not hear the punchline? Did you miss the last statement? He said, the sower sows the word. The seed is the word. How do you receive the word? He who has ears, let him hear. So what's so important about this receiving thing? Well, we are the soil. It's us. The sower is the Holy Spirit, and the seed is the living word of God. And here's the cool thing about that. The power is in the seed to reproduce whatever that seed came off of. The power is in the seed. You want a a pecan tree? What are you going to plant? You want a peach tree? What are you going to plant? I mean, this this is good stuff, really basic stuff. But as we receive the Word of God, what is it going to reproduce in us? It's going to reproduce God in us, the character, the life of God in us, as we receive that seed. The focus has so long been on doing and doing and doing, and it's because other people will know you by your fruit. And so we start to know ourselves by our fruit. But let me tell you something. The way to reign is to receive. 
It's not to focus on your fruit. And the more we focus on that fruit we don't like, the bigger it's going to get. And we can go out there and we can polish it up. We can paint it a different color. We can go down to the dollar store and buy some wax fruit and put it on our tree. But I'm telling you what, it's not going to change anything on the inside. And as long as we're focusing on our output, we're missing out on the life of God. Abraham walked a lot of years doing a lot of things he ought not to have done. And God said, that man is righteous because Abraham had a heart to receive from God and he believed God. His output wasn't that great. Just ask Sarah. (laughs) It wasn't that great. But let me tell you something. God honored his heart because his heart was to receive. And that's the beauty of a seed. Sometimes a seed takes a while to produce fruit. And sometimes we don't want to wait. Heck, we never want to wait. (laughs) But the power is in the seed to reproduce exactly wherever that seed came from. It's by grace that we are saved, the free gift of God. And it's by grace that we walk daily in the fullness of salvation. It's by grace that we walk daily in healing, in miracles, in abundance of life, in prosperity. That's by grace. It's the free gift of God. It can only be received. We can't make it. We can't do it. We can't obey it. We can only receive it as a gift. It can't be earned. It was received by faith. And incidentally, faith comes by uh, he who has ears. Let him hear. A couple of years ago, I I was reading through the Gospels. I typically read through these days um, what's called a a parallel. What's called a... Where I'm reading a little bit in each Gospel on the same timeline, chronologically kind of... Um, and I was reading through chronologically, and it just struck me. I find that God speaks to me a lot of times where I'll read through the Bible, and there'll just be one overarching theme. You know, it seems like everything I'm reading has to do with this one thing. It may be simple, but it's, 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 it's awesome in its simplicity. And a few years ago, I was reading through the, the Gospels, and I was struck by how frequently Jesus got away. We say Jesus withdrew to a quiet place. Jesus, you know, and the, and the authors of the gospel, it, it's kind of like they were a little bit perplexed because they couldn't really say what he was doing because they usually didn't go with him. So they just said, hey, Jesus went off by himself and he did this a lot. And uh, a few months later, I was reading through again and, and I, I, got, I got hung up on Mark 6, the same story as John 6, Luke 9, Matthew 14. It's where Jesus fed the 5,000. And then he turns around a few minutes later and walks on water. You know, big, big, big event, big day. And, and I realized that I'd always been so overwhelmed by the awesomeness of those miracles that I, I'd missed what was really going on. So let me give you a little backstory. Jesus had just gotten a really rough report. He had just been told that his cousin John, the forerunner of his ministry, had been killed in, in a really brutal and in, nasty way and and it hit him and it hit him hard and what Jesus did next was he went to get alone on the mountain but on the way to the mountain something happened life happened a big crowd came they followed him and the Bible says he looked out on them and and he had compassion what that tells me is that wasn't in the plan but the heart of God was so big he saw these people they were needy they were hungry they were they were spiritually hungry they were 
lame, they were blind, they were sick. So the Bible says he ministered to them and he ministered to them. He healed all their sick. For hours, Jesus ministered to them. And then he looked around and he, he, he realized it was late and there was no way they were going to get home and they were hungry. And so what did he do? He fed them. I always thought the big thing was feeding them, but I'm telling you, it wasn't. After Jesus fed the 5,000, he sent the disciples off. He said, you guys go on ahead. I need to do what I came to do to begin with. And he heads up the mountain and he gets alone with the Father. Now, I just want to share something foundational with you. I think we can all agree. Jesus is the Son of God. Can we agree on that? This is a Wednesday night crowd. It's pretty safe. <laughs> Jesus is the Son of God. I am convinced the more I read the Word that, that one of the most, things, most important things Jesus did for us was He taught us how a son interacts with the Father, how a son relates to, to the Father. He taught us how to be sons. And you guys all know that's not a gender word. That's a position word. That's an authority word. That's, we are all sons of God. Jesus modeled how to be a son. And I'm convinced that's what he's doing here. So he heads up the mountain. He gets some time alone with the Father. And after, after he gets through up on the mountain, the disciples were already halfway across the, the water, and so Jesus just walks out to catch up with them. I'm convinced that the critical part of this story is Jesus got along with the Father. You ever noticed how emotional things can cloud your spiritual ears? It, it can make it so difficult to hear what God is saying. It was no different with Jesus. The Bible says Jesus was, was a man of sorrows and familiar, familiar with suffering. It says he, like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised. He, his life was full of hard things and difficult things. But when he went through those things and when his, when his, when his spiritual ears started to get clouded by all the things that were happening around him, he often withdrew. He went to get alone with the Father. Jesus made hearing what his father had to say an absolute priority. And guys, I'm convinced that that's how sons interact with the father. That's how we do it. Especially when it's hard. Especially when it's hard. Hebrews 5, 7. A few months passed from that, from God really speaking to me through, through John 6 and that passage and really showing me what I needed to see that the important thing about that was, was, and I'm not saying the miracles weren't important, but I'm telling you the conversation with me and God went like this. God saying, hey, quit looking at the miracles. They were just incidental. They were just a means to the end. What's important here is, is, is the son did whatever it took to get, to get into the face of the father. He got alone with the father. So in, a few months later, I'm in Toronto, Canada. I just made it through security. It's 5.30 in the morning. I'm ready to catch a plane, but I've got a couple of hours before it boards. So I open up my Bible. I can still see it vividly. I'm sitting there in the airport in Toronto, and I open up to Hebrews chapter 5. And I start to read. And I get down to Hebrews 5, 7, and it says, During the, life of Je- during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petition with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard 
because of his reverent submission. And, and that, those last words just really stood out to me. And, and sometimes the Holy Spirit will start to speak something to you, and you know it when it happens. You may not know exactly what he's saying yet, but you know there's something there. And it was like that, and so I started to dig. I looked in a couple other translations. Some translations say, translations say because of his piety, because of all these words that really didn't make any sense for me. And I knew there was something there, but I couldn't tell what it was. And so I looked that word up in the Greek. I saw somebody cringe when I said that earlier. But bear with me. Uh, I looked that word reverent submission up in the Greek. And the word is, is, is the word, it's a combination of two words, but put together, the word is you labeia. Jesus was heard because of his you labeia. And something about that last word stood out to me because I'd done another study on a Greek word a few months prior to that, just based on a, a phrase that's used today. It's a Greek phrase. I, I tracked down the history of it. I did some research and I'm going like, why am I doing this, God? But, but something, something was the same. And let me give you a little background about the phrase I'm talking about. About 480 years before Christ was born, there, there was a, well, the, Greece, the Greek civilization was in existence, obviously, but it was made up of loosely confederated city-states. One of those city-states was the city-state of Sparta. And Sparta was known not just within Greece, but everywhere for being elite warriors. The Spartans were the elite of the elite. The Spartans were known for being fierce and violent and, and unbending. You never wanted to come up against a Spartan in battle because a, Sp a Spartan could only leave the battlefield in one of two ways. A Spartan left victorious or dead. A Spartan did not know retreat, would not speak the word. A Spartan could not retreat in battle. So nobody wanted to come against a, a Spartan. But one king did, a, an old king of the Persian Empire named Xerxes. Your, battle, your Bible may call him a Hazuerus, depending on your translation. King Xerxes, over the Persian Empire, set his sight on Greeks. Xerxes, by the way, just incidentally, was the same king that married Queen Esther. Esther's king set his sights on Greece, and he headed out for the pass of Thermopylae, and before he got there, he sent out a note to King Leonidas. Now, Leonidas was king of Sparta. He sent a note to, king, to the king of Sparta, Leonidas. He said, it was very simple. He said, surrender your weapons and you may live. And the response that Leonidas sent back was not a, was not a response of a, of a tactful man, was not the response of a politician. It was the response of a warrior. He was a warrior king. He sent a two-word response that still resonates today. In fact, I, I brought this. You can, you, can still, you can still buy T-shirts with it on it. Anybody know what that says? The response was the words, Molon Labe. Now, what you'll see a lot of times is you'll see it with a cannon in the middle, and it'll, it'll have the English translation. Loosely translated says, come and take it. The two-word response that King Leonidas sent to King, to, to King Xerxes was, come and take them. Molon labe. Now that word labe, the, the, the root word of that is the word lab, and it means to aggressively receive. 
What's, what, what Leonidas was saying was he's saying, Xerxes, you come on over here, and once you get here, you put everything you've got into taking these weapons out of our hands. That's what he's saying. So now, now here's, the, here's the awesome thing. Jesus was heard because of his eulabeia. How that became reverent submission, I will never know, because those words literally mean good aggressive receiving. Labe ia, molon labe, the same word. Labe is you come and take it aggressively. Labe ia means he took it aggressively. Jesus was heard because he aggressively received from the Father. You getting this? The way to reign is to receive. The way to reign is to receive. The next verse there in Hebrews says, although he was a son, this is beautiful. These two things, these two verses go so well together. Although in a sense, I think they might should be inverted. But it says in verse, in verse 8, although he was a son, he learned obedience. We already know that word. That word obedience is hupakuo, which means to listen. He learned to listen from what he suffered. You want a good example of that? Jesus just heard about his, his cousin John getting killed, getting beheaded. What did Jesus do? He did whatever it took to get his ear before the Father. He learned to listen through the hard things that he went through, through the sufferings that he went through. Listen, child of God, Jesus was showing us how to be successful as sons of God. The way to reign is to receive whatever it takes We've got to receive. Well, brother, I'm just content with what God's given me. Great! Just make sure you fully understand all that God's given you. And never be content with less. Receive all that he has. Let me tell you what God has provided for us has come at a great cost. Throughout all of history, no price has ever come close. And we're not trying to pry something out of God's hands. We're just submitting to what he's already provided. We're just realizing that anything less that we accept is disrespectful to the giver. And we're going to do whatever it takes to make sure that we don't settle for less. Because it's not going to offend God if we aggressively come into his presence to receive all that he has. In fact, it honors him, and it honors the price that was paid. Don't wait on God to do what he's already done. Come to the table. It's time to receive. Mm. It's all about the inputs, folks. I don't know if you've got that yet, but it's all about the inputs. The way to reign is to receive. The outputs will come. The outputs will come. The, the fruit will come. But not until we make sure we get the right seed in the ground. The seed is going to fall into the ground and it's going to bear fruit. And yes, there is a process, but here's the good news. You're not in control of the process. You are good ground. You know how I know you're good ground? Because you are sons of God. Your DNA has changed. You're supernatural. You're no longer natural. You are designed to grow that seed and to, and, and to have it bear fruit. 
You don't have to wonder what kind of dirt you are. I tell you what kind of dirt you are. You're good dirt. You're designed to receive his seed. And here's the thing about the process. The process, your ground is designed to bear fruit and to grow whatever seed comes into it. If you don't like the outputs you see in your life, look at seed that's coming in. Because the seed that comes in is the fruit that's going to, you know, you look at your life, you go, man, I'm living like the world. Stop receiving the world's seed. Are you hearing me? Stop it. Well, God, I want to do this and I want to do that. And we so we, it's, we so get tripped up on the do's I want to do. And well, they're doing and she's doing and he's doing. And God says, the way to reign is to receive. Stop worrying about the doing. Start focusing aggressively. In, in the circles that I run with, ever since God gave me this word, nine times out of 10, when I ask somebody how they're doing, you know what they say? I'm aggressively receiving. <laughs> I'm aggressively receiving. And I'm telling you, that's what Jesus did. That's how we live as sons of God. We aggressively receive. We don't settle for less. Sickness is coming against you. I don't care what that sickness is. It's not from God. The healing has been provided from God. It's part of grace. It's part of salvation. We walk out salvation by receiving that grace on a daily basis. Daily basis. We speak the word over ourselves on a daily basis. And let me tell you, the fruit may not have grown yet. But don't, don't get discouraged. No man plants a, a peach pit in his backyard and comes out the next day and cries because he doesn't have pre peaches. Without the element of time, faith is not faith. But we can't let go of the truth because we don't see it yet with our eyes. We hold on to the truth until our circumstances come into line, not the other way. The truth is the way to reign is to receive. We receive the word from him. We do it. We do it aggressively. And whenever something happens, something comes against us, and and we're not hearing, God, I can't hear you, we do whatever it takes to fix that problem. That's how sons relate to the Father. Your life will always produce exactly according to what you are receiving. Stand on that word and don't lose heart. The way to reign is to receive. That's all I have. 